Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we are back with a Thanksgiving edition of the Ducks and Pucks podcast, and plenty of things to talk about. Lots of uh, trade rumors and movement and things like that going on. The uh, The Ducks, uh, unfortunately, uh, have been losing some games uh, against Winnipeg and a couple against St. Louis, so we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, there's injuries going on with the team. And uh, some league news and some goal stuff. Plenty of things to cover. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. But before we get to all that, Thanksgiving is coming up. Um, so obviously, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and hope you guys, you know, have a good holiday with your family and whatnot. We did talk about uh, hot dogs last show, and I made some posts, and, and people brought up more stuff about hot dogs. So I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about food before we get in, into the, the, the meat and potatoes of the ducks. But uh, uh, I thought this was interesting, Eddie. We had talked about the uh, ducks hot dogs and the Rams hot dogs and how they weren't as good. And then I had other people talking about Dodger dogs and angel hot dogs uh, and then the bacon wrap hot dogs you see outside the Honda Center. So I, I, I guess <laughs> where we'll start this show is talking about the hot dogs of the SoCal sports teams. Um you know, we, we already determined that the Ducks ones were better than the Rams, but but what, what do you think about some of these other choices that people are talking about? Because we obviously got other teams in SoCal, uh, you know, Angels and Dodgers and things like that to talk about. I can't even recall eating uh, at these places. Uh, it's been so long since I've been to a baseball game. Um, I do eat those bacon-wrapped hot dogs after the games when I'm really drunk. That's the only time I'll eat them, and they taste fantastic, but I, I don't sit there and eat them by choice that I'm not drinking or inebriated. But, yeah, the ones at Honda Center weren't that bad. It just, like I said, that beef brisket was just, like, disgusting. I had some pretty good food at a... I went to Vegas this past weekend, a little spontaneous trip just w- w- with my buddy. So, um, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for him, the friendship that I have, that I've known him for over 20 years since we were in third grade together, and then taking me out to Vegas for the weekend. It was fun. We had a good time. We had Yard House, uh... Had some food over there. Service was fantastic. Just such an amazing time just to get out of California for a little bit and enjoy Vegas nonstop drinking. I'm still uh, still feeling like hell right now. I'm still hungover from uh, the Vegas trip. But yeah, looking forward to just eating more unhealthy food and, and not really counting calories on Thursday. And you know what's funny too? I totally forgot about Thanksgiving until you mentioned it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's Thanksgiving now. So I just hope I'm not going to be eating hot dogs for Thanksgiving because that's going to be... That's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny, too, is that brisket sandwich you were talking about, you didn't like at the Ducks game. It's funny, longtime listener uh, Andrew Ferguson says that his is amazing, but that's not his opinion. That's the opinion of the people that have eaten it. So we might have to hit up Andrew, uh, and maybe we should tell him to make it and have Honda Center sell it. So, um, you know, that, I thought that was a funny comment that he had posted on there. And um, as far as the hot dogs go, uh, I, I yes, the bacon wrap one is my favorite, um, but I don't count it because it's not one that's like sold as part of the arena. Like that, that's kind of a separate thing. Though that is obviously my favorite, but I, I still think uh, I think Dodger dogs are good. 
but I, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of leaning towards the the, the ducks hot dog. I, I don't think it's the the greatest thing ever, but I think uh, you know it's I, the farmer John. I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. I like that. And um, I had another funny comment too. I had Chris Latore. Uh, another listener um, on Facebook, he said that the Rams spent billions on a stadium, but they serve AMP and food. And I just thought that that was one of the funniest comments that I saw in response to all the stuff that we were talking about with the food. So, so yeah, so so for me, it's and I, I mean, it's not just because of ducks, but if you don't count the bacon wrap hot dog, because that's not sold like you know from the arenas or whatever, I, I would go with the uh, the ducks hot dog still. Yeah, I, but I, I'm still kind of disappointed too because their food's not that great for being like. I guess I I know it's stadium food, but it, it, it's not too great. I remember when I was in over there in Colorado, I used to go to the Avalanche game a lot. They had a restaurant inside the arena, kind of like a JT Smith's, but actually inside the arena, it was it was pretty pretty damn good in there. The food was, was good. It was one of those places where I'd go and always hang out before games and or hang out after games. They'd serve dinner and stuff like that, so that's cool. You got to run into a lot of players, ran into uh, Joe Sackick, Adam Foote, uh, and a few other of the current Avalanche players over there, so that was pretty fun. I, I wish their food was a little bit better, but then again, the, the prices are outrageous for what you get, so I'd rather just go around the arena and try to, try to find somewhere to eat or kind of eat around my area before I head over there. Yeah, it was kind of a, a a big mess last time. I took my son's, uh, our, my best friend's son. We're trying to find food. I wanted some wings, and all the places were like an hour long wait. Even Marie Callender's was like an hour plus wait. It's like, damn, we ended up finding Applebee's, which wasn't really that good. So, yeah, I just got to eat somewhere else, or hopefully Honda Center. If you guys could suggest any other options in Honda Center, that are, 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 that's pretty good. I haven't really tasted anything that good from them. Probably the hot dog would probably be the best, but even though that was still kind of like, okay, it wasn't like the greatest. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I Just comparing it amongst the other ones, the other ones are really that good either. But yeah, if any of you listening out there have suggestions of where you go to eat before a Ducks game, uh, let us know. I mean, sometimes Eddie and I go to JT Smith's, but if there's any other places besides that, let us know. Uh, you know, drop us a comment, send us a DM or whatnot, or when we post a show, let us know. I, so, I try those food trucks we haven't tried yet. Yeah, we might have to try that and, and check those out. That's that's another one. I know. I think uh, Jen has gone to some of the food trucks and said they were good. So that that might be something that if you guys like those food trucks, let us know. Maybe we'll, we'll try those out. So. Um, all right, uh, with that, let's dive into the Ducks. Uh, just another frustrating week, unfortunately. The Ducks uh, went on the road. Odd bit of scheduling, which we'll talk about. They played Winnipeg and then St. Louis back-to-back on the road. They lost all three of these games. Um, I, I mean, I, it's tough. You want to be optimistic. You want to be positive. You also want to be real and objective. I didn't think the Ducks played that poorly in two of these three games. I, I, I thought they could have got a point or two against Winnipeg in the first game and, and then the second game against the Blues. And then obviously uh, they laid a big-ass egg uh, in the first meeting with St. Louis. But um, you go in that game against Winnipeg, uh, I was excited to watch this one because you had Tame Solania and Teppo Numanen. They got inducted to the Jets Hall of Fame. So that was a fun moment to see uh, before the game. And if you watch the game on TV... Uh, Tamu joined the broadcast for a period and talked to her. So, so that was a big thrill and a big win um, watching that Ducks game. Um, it, it didn't work out the way that we, we wanted it to. Uh, I mean, it started out okay. You had Troy Terry uh, scoring 
And um, then you had uh, Kyle Connor was really the one that stole the show for the Jets in this one. He uh, got a power play goal in the second, and then he got a couple goals in the third. Especially the the you know, I guess the um, back uh, breaker with less than a minute to go. Um, you know the Ducks really fought it out. You you know after Connor got his second goal, Zegers came back with one right away. Uh, a play that I think Eddie you called the flying Z because he went from from side to side, you know, all the way down the rink to score. Um, so it was an exciting game, but man, uh, just tough, Eddie. The Ducks came up short in this one. I, I felt like they were going to at least get a point out of this game. Oh yeah, I, I, once he scored that game time goal, I was like, all right, you know, Ducks get that momentum. They get a big goal late in the period. They have a few minutes to try to get the, that that equalizer, but you know what? I'm thinking like, okay, or not the equalizer, but the actual the, the that winning goal. But I was like, all right, no, they'll get to overtime, they'll get the point, and then they'll win in overtime. But nope, uh, they let Kyle Connor just kind of do his thing. He had two goals already. Uh, players that's heating up like that. I figured they put more defensive pressure on him, and I believe it was a breakdown by Zegers on that third goal that allowed him to score with that final uh, minute in the game. That kind of just kind of broke everyone's hearts. I was like, man, the Ducks are going to stay undefeated. Or, I'm sorry, no, no. They're going to stay, not undefeated, defeated in regulation, or that whatever that stat is. I just, it's almost 20 games, and they still haven't won a game in regulation. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> sorry, I, yeah. I, 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 I still have the Vegas flu, guys. Like I told you at the beginning of the show, the, the Vegas flu is uh, so creeping up on me. Yeah, no, I know what you meant. Yeah, they, they haven't been able to win uh, in regulation. Uh, exactly. All the Ducks wins have been in overtime or the shootout. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I, I really thought uh, when Segrist tied it up that, okay, you know, maybe the Ducks would score and, and go ahead and win in regulation or go to overtime and they would win. And then Connor scored again. And yeah, you're right. All three of Connor's goals, I mean, he was in the front, wasn't really defended that well in all three goals. And uh, led to the Ducks losing. Um, we did see Carrick, uh, you know, being back in the lineup and doing his thing. Uh, he got in a couple fights in some of these games. It's it really mixing it up in all the games. Uh, he and Dylan mixed it up in this one. So uh, if you if you like seeing that kind of thing again, well, you know, the Ducks are doing that. Uh, Bull U's been out, so now Carrick's back, and he he's been um, doing his thing. And uh, he did that again. In the first game against St. Louis, uh, which God, this 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 game was just terrible. Um, the, if you didn't watch this game, I, I would have told you you wouldn't have missed a whole lot. The Ducks got down uh, two nothing in the first period. Uh, could have been down by a lot more. Gibson actually played pretty well in this first period, um, but then they got down by a couple more goals in the second period next thing you knew it was four nothing and the game just got away from them the ducks did play better in the second half which is a, a good you know thing but at, at that point they were down five to one they also got a couple power play goals which we know they've been struggling on that and as i said uh, carrick dropped the gloves at the very very end of this game he was you could tell frustrated and i don't blame him but um this was a low point this was probably uh, I mean, we've had a couple bad games this season, but th this was one of the worst, unfortunately, Eddie. Yeah, and it was probably worse for me because I was doing that pirate eye watching the beginning of this game or at the beer garden, and we just been drinking all morning. And then why? It's funny. It was cool. They actually had the game on at the beer garden. Like they had a lot of hockey that was going on, so that was cool to see. 
places in Vegas have games that aren't the Knights on like that. Just how much they support the game of hockey. That was actually fun to see. But it, it, it seemed like one of those games where the Ducks just weren't there to play. And the funny thing was, too, if I didn't go to Vegas, I probably would have ended up flying to St. Louis just to watch this game. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't because a beating like that would have just been very frustrating to spend my money and spend my night over there and having to be in sorrow watching this game lose. But, yeah, it just – the Ducks just didn't come to play at all. And and we'll talk about it later on the show, but maybe there's some kind of uh, issues going on in the locker room because like, it, just, it just didn't seem like they had it at all. It didn't even want to play. Yeah, and that was the interesting thing about this game. Kind of the bigger story is that Fowler was interviewed by Ali Lozoff at, you know, at the end of the game, the Ducks had a players only meeting. And then on Sunday, they had a team meeting. They didn't practice. And then they went in and played the Blues again. I'll, I'll hold the discussion about Fowler because we want to talk about the captain thing in a little bit. But then the Ducks went in and played St. Louis again. They actually played them tough um, in this game. They, they did give up a goal in 11 seconds into it. But Fowler came back and scored at the end of the first period. And the, and the Ducks played the Blues very, very tough in this one. Um, it was Gibson against Bing, uh, Bennington again. They had played in the last game. But Falk scored on the power play with about four minutes to go. Um, and, and then, obviously, they had an empty netter later on. The Ducks ended up losing this one. I, I thought the response was good from the Ducks. I felt this was another game where they possibly could have gone to overtime and got a point, and they didn't. But uh, I wasn't really happy with the lineup choices again. I, I don't know what's going on. We we saw McTavish as a second-line center in the first game against St. Louis. Once that game got away uh, from them, that, that changed. And then you saw the second game against St. Louis. They went with that 11-7 lineup again, which I, I can't stand that lineup. I, I don't understand it. Uh, and Rugenda was out, not playing. I, I don't understand that at all either. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I know they got Shattenkirk back. That's great, but I, I don't understand. That's And that's another thing that we'll dive into. But I did like the response in this game, Eddie. It's just unfortunate that they came up short in that second game against the Blues. Oh, yeah. And and, and, and Fowler, too, is just totally on fire right now. He has, what, seven points in the last four games. He just completely just exploded in the last few times. Since I think that since the last podcast, where I was mentioning now, Gibson had more points or assist and then than Fowler did all season he just was going absolutely bananas right now and playing some good hockey so that's that's really good to see for him even though how frustrated he is with the with how the team's performance is going I'm glad they had a players meeting and I'm glad that he voiced his frustration now because things like that can light a fire under a team's ass look what Miles Wood did at the beginning of the season when he called uh I made a comment saying he's tired of playing on a losing team and Everyone jumped on his back about that, how he needs to be a team player, but he was trying to get a spark from his team, and he's been playing well. And obviously, New Jersey tied a franchise record for the most wins at 13. They're just going absolutely nuts over there, too. So hopefully, the, whatever they talked about and the, the frustration that he's voicing, that he can step up and be that leader and try to help the Ducks in. And like I say, like the Ducks aren't going to do a 180 and be a contending team this season. It's not going to happen, so don't get your hopes up. But I like, like I keep saying, I want some kind of improvement, and I want to see that light at the end of the tunnel that we haven't really been seeing with this team this season. And as far as the, the whole... 11-7. I, I just don't understand why Regina's getting scratched or why you just keep continually trying to do this lineup. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, Fowler playing, like I said, seven points in the last four games. Why would you kind of limit his ice time by adding that seventh defenseman? Just keep it at six. And obviously, it's just like 
I, I don't know. It just makes no sense. I don't know what what the hell is going on with, with, with Reginda and the coaching staff. I feel bad for him because when he's out there, I see that energy he has, that, that motivation. He's like that breath of, 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 of fresh light. He's still a rookie. So him just going out there and providing that spark and wanting to get in the mix, always in front of the net, we need that. We need some kind of more net front presence and some guy like that, but they keep scratching him to go up this 11-7 lineup. It's just like, what are we going to see next, Mike, a 10-8 lineup or, or something like that? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, the big thing, you and I have talked about this too, is, I mean, you can look at goals and you can look at assists and you can look at points you can look at uh, puck possession numbers and you know all that stuff, and it's all important. But another thing that we we talk about is chemistry, and I, I just don't see it with this team. And I, I actually talked to Josh Brewster about this on on his show after the second St. Louis game, and I brought up the you know this thing with him, and he agreed. He he said you know yes they got a bunch of new players. Uh, you're trying to figure this stuff out, uh, but we're, we're, you know, we're coming up on game 20. So we're at a quarter of the season now and they haven't figured out the chemistry. And I, I mentioned the 11 seven thing. He didn't think that was a huge issue, but I, I disagree. I, I really do think that is a, a problem here because you're not getting these lines set. And I, I think it's good that we've seen Zegris and Terry together. That was one thing you and I had harped on for the last couple shows. And, and we're seeing that. And, and we have seen McTavish at center. We've seen him at, at second-line center. We've seen him at third-line center. Uh, so that's helped out. But um, other than that, you know, I, I mean, I hope that they stick with that. I hope Dallas Aikens keeps it like that because uh, you, you got to figure it out. And, and, you know, you're going 11-7, it just doesn't work. It, it really doesn't because you're, you're bringing in that seventh defenseman and you're rotating him out. The Ducks don't need to do that. Uh, it just doesn't work. And I think for a lot of teams, it, it doesn't work. You know, there's some exceptions out there, and that's for sure. Um, but you have to build those lines and that chemistry. And, and if you're going to go with Terry and Zegers on the line with Henrique, and you're going to stick with that, fine. McTavish at center with two wingers, whoever you're going to pick, go with that, fine. Yeah, I mean, you got to build that up and, and keep that going. I'd like the Ducks to try to, you know, get the top six or top nine nailed down. And then on defense... Um, it, it's been a struggle. Uh, it seems like White and Strand have done really good together. Surprisingly, their their puck position numbers are very very good. So maybe you keep them together, and then you build from there. But I, the constant shifting of this lineup. I thought we were done with this eleven seven stuff, and it came back. And yes, the Ducks did play a decent game against St. Louis in this one. But um, I, I I just don't, I'm not a fan of it. I, I think you stick with the twelve six and you go with that. Um, we had Regenda. Uh, he's shown some flashes of great play. Uh, give him a chance and put him back in the in that lineup and see what he can do. And roll with the six defensemen. And if you have to pull somebody out uh, of those defensemen and only go with six, then then you should. I mean, I, I like what I've seen, like I said, from that pairing of White Strand. And I like Benoit. He's been picking it up lately. It seems like Fowler has picked it up as well. Uh, th the one that's been a question mark for me, sadly, has been Klingberg. He's not, he's not been there. And, and we'll get to some trade stuff a little bit later in the show. But uh, looking at this and what's gone on, I, I think chemistry is a huge issue. And the other part which Josh agreed and we talked about was the schedule. And some of you asked questions about that. You know, the Ducks have played a lot of road games to start. 
Um, they're going to play more home games that that may help them out later on. Weird scheduling. They played St. Louis back to back on the road. I, I'm not really a fan of that. Um, I, I don't know why it, it's like that. Uh, you know, we had Tom asked us that, um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't understand why they're doing that and on the road like that. I mean, it's kind of something that they do in the AHL and whatnot, not in the NHL. And I'm not really a big fan of that. I know sometimes they talk about it kind of being like playoff hockey and whatnot. So. I, you know, I don't want to get too much in the schedule because I, I, I don't know. I, I think it does play a factor playing a lot of games on the road and this weird scheduling here. But um, you still got to play every night in and out, um, whether you're playing more on the road or more at home. But when you're, you know, mixing up the schedule all the time, uh, or excuse me, mix up the lineup all the time, I, I just don't think it really helps the team, Eddie. Oh, no, I 100% agree with you. There, there's no chemistry being made there. I know you're you're in, in, in desperation mode. I'm pretty sure he's one of the coaches on the hot seat with how poorly the Ducks have been playing. Like you said, we're nearly 20 games in the season, and we don't have a, a regulation win at all. Obviously, um, so something has to give. If uh, Verbeek just wants to roll out the season and just keep this, uh, this I guess, tanking mentality they have or just, just continue this horrible play so they can get a... Hopefully that first overall draft pick of that'll be the first in franchise history. The Ducks would have the actual first overall overall uh, for Connor Bedard. I mean, we, we've been seeing highlights of this kid just going nuts in, in the WHL. He just playing like he, he's going to be that next uh, that next generational franchise player that can turn a franchise around. So that's one thing I'm excited for if the Ducks can actually get that first overall pick and and swing for the fence with him. But as far as their coaching staff. I, I don't think this should uh, – I don't know. I think uh, something has to go next season for the Ducks to do some kind of change uh, or change halfway through the season and try to get something more established out there and, and not get these bad habits and create those bad habits and, and definitely not these lineup like tweaks. We have to have some kind of chemistry of these players to get comfortable with each other. And, and I mean, we, we've seen how uh, Sonny Milano and Zegris had that comfortable – the, the atmosphere with each other and that chemistry they had I, and it was kind of good to see it just it puzzles me why they didn't bring him back on a one-year deal just to see if his game can improve and gel with zegris and it's, yeah it's, it's weird but yeah just have to wait and see and i guess not hold their breath for for any big changes coming anytime soon yeah, I think part of it is a lot of people talk about Dallas Akins and, and they're ready to throw in the towel. I see a lot of comments about, hey, he needs to go and things aren't working out. And I don't I don't disagree with a lot of that, but I, I just don't know if that's going to happen this season. I, I think that uh, Verbeek's going to ride it out um, unless something crazy you know happens. I mean, yes, obviously we're down the bottom. We haven't been you know playing well, but... Um, we, we've kind of trended up a little bit if you think about it. We've been in some of these games real close. Yes, we played really poorly against St. Louis in the one game, but a lot of these games have been close. And I, I think if we stay that way, I don't see Aikens being booted out, at least during the season. I, do I think he comes back at the end of the season? I don't think so. I, I think Verbeek's going to put somebody in there instead. That's what I think, regardless of the, the way the rest of the season's gone. I mean, we know the Ducks where they're at. Um, you know, coming up on a fourth, you know, the season that, that they're not a playoff contending team. We already know that. Uh, I think I forgot someone had asked us before if the Ducks would turn it on like St. Louis did a couple years and, and right the ship and all of a sudden go all the way and win it. 
Is it possible? Yeah, of course they could. Uh, would they? Uh, with the team they have now, I don't think so. Uh, to try and turn it around and get you know crazy like that, I, I think they're going to have to do some stuff. And that's kind of what's come up lately. The news about the Ducks recently is like they're out on the market. They're ready to go. Um, they're ready to like wheel and deal. That's like been the latest thing. We've, we've had a lot of reports on this um, lately about the team. And, and it seems like that's kind of been the push. Um, you know, it's like, what, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? And uh, we've had a couple reports. We had Elliot Freeman talked about on his 32 Thoughts podcast that uh, Vetrano was of interest to the Leafs, but the Leafs had some money issues. So that was a thing that had come up. Um, he also had the fourth period talking about throwing out some names out there. They threw out Vetrano, um, Henrique, uh, getting some phone calls. Klingberg, which is not really a surprise. We knew Klingberg was always going to be a topic of discussion and a name out there. And then even Shattenkirk, too. So, so I, I mean, I, and it's kind of interesting. And I, I feel like we're at a point right now where, I mean, we could just kind of ride this out, kind of do some of the tweaks that you and I've talked about, which, which, uh, uh, Verbeek is done or like hey, the trade trade deadline still a few months away are we gonna try and do another fire sale and, and blow it up I don't know I, I I think some stuff's gonna go down but I just don't see the, another huge fire sale Eddie yeah I don't either I, I think a few of these names w- w- will be moved uh I think our defensive core will definitely or the core that we have right now with, with Klingberg that's a that's a given there's no way they're gonna keep him past this year they're gonna bring him in and get some assets for him. Uh, come hopefully by trade de- a trade deadline. Um, Shattenkirk's one of the ones that that might be interesting too. He's at his last year at three point nine. Uh, obviously, the way he's been playing, the Ducks will need to eat up some salary, but he can he can still prove some worth on a team, and he still has that offensive ability that can do that second power play unit and that can provide a spark. Um, with a different team, uh, look at Lindholm. Lindholm's almost a point a point a game right now. He has 18 points in 19 games with Boston. He's playing pretty well for them, and it paid dividends that trade uh, when we sent him over there to Boston. So you, you never know what kind of spark and a change in system can kind of rejuvenate these players. Kling, Klingberg's still one of them that's hot out there. He's going to be a big name. He's going to fetch a really big return. And another one, too, is Kulikov. It's funny, uh, you talked about uh, like Toronto keeps coming up. Yeah, Toronto's dealing with a lot of uh, injury issues right now. They have uh, they lost Morgan Riley uh, four to six weeks. Now they still have Muzzin that's probably not going to come back. He's out indefinitely. And then they have TJ Brody that's still out with an oblique injury for two to three weeks. So that's like, that's what three of the, the, the defensemen that eat up a lot of minutes that they don't have. Unfortunately for Toronto, they're um, dealing with some cap space right now. They do have that flexibility with Morgan Riley and his seven point something million dollars going on on long-term injury reserve they can use. But the thing is, if he comes back healthy by the end of the year or come January, they have to have that cap space to fit him back in. And it's just it's going to be too much work for them to do. Uh, right now, they're at the 50 contract limit too. So they have to get rid of a contract or make a trade for someone else. They have Wayne Simmons that's currently on waivers as we speak. So we'll find out tomorrow morning if anyone claims him. But this is the second time him being put on waiver. So it's, he didn't get claimed the first time. So I doubt he'll be claimed the second time. Um, if they want to make a trade too, I know the, those rumors coming out. I don't think Vetrano is going to go. I think uh, Vetrano and Strom fit into the future 
of this team and future plans. So I, I, I can't see them uh, going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I think the best thing they can do if they really need that defensive is Kulikov right now. Um, he, 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 he can play well and, and fill in that role temporarily, and it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. They have players that the Ducks can take on to, like Alexander Kerf, Kerfoot, that hasn't really been playing well for them. It's been dropping down their, their depth chart. He, he, he's probably an, an upgraded version of Derek Grant. Can jump on the power play, or jump on the penalty kill and kill those penalties. So, uh, and his three point five million cap hit for this year can really uh, help them in cap relief. And in exchange, we can get some kind of assets for taking on that contract too. So, it's kind of a win-win if the Ducks want to go that route. But I, I can't see the Leafs making a bid for Klingberg or Shattenkirk. It's just going to be too much logistical nightmare for their cap space, especially when Morgan Riley does come back. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and and a lot of this talk, too, don't forget, is other teams calling the Ducks on these players. This isn't, the, the, the at least the reports that have been out there so far, not the Ducks offering up these players. So, you know, I take anything with the Leafs kind of a grain of salt. I mean, the Ducks have been connected to the Leafs since, like, the Stone Age. It seems like there's always talk with the Ducks and the Leafs and moves. Not saying that something couldn't happen, but I, I just, I, I kind of, Temper expectations with anything involving them, especially like you said, with the, with the money situation going on in there. And I don't, I don't think Verbeek necessarily wants to trade Strom or Verchano. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and he does. But I, I'm with you. I, I think those are guys that he brought in to help score and and help build up the top six. I, I don't think those are the people that he's going to move. I think. Uh, the one that we've talked about, we know for sure, is Klingberg. His name's already out there, uh, which isn't su- a surprise. His name was out there last year. As soon as the Ducks got him, they were like, oh, he's going to get traded next year. I mean, that's not a big surprise. The only thing is on there, um, just to clarify, I don't know if we mentioned it on the last show, but to make sure that it's it's clear is that he can't be traded unless he agrees uh, before January 1st. He has a, a full no-trade clause. And then it goes to a 10-team uh, no-trade clause after January 1st. So then there's some wiggle room there. So if something's going to happen with him, it's probably going to happen in 2023. I, I think he's likely gone just the way stuff's gone. And honestly, I'm not really that impressed with him, unfortunately. I, I, I've, I've said that on the show numerous times. I'm not going to go into it anymore. But I, I don't think he's helped his team. He, he hasn't really done a whole lot in the power play. And his neutral zone play isn't that great um, with the Ducks. I don't know what it is. I mean, he seemed to do fine before, but I don't know. Since coming to Anaheim, he's just not really worked out. So I think he is gone for sure. I don't know about Henrique. I would think the Ducks would keep him. He seems like a leader in the locker room. I don't think that that's a guy that they'd move. He's also at $5.8 million, so I don't know that that's something they'd want to do. Shattenkirk, maybe. Uh, he's finishing up, you know, he's close to the end of his deal. That's that's one that they could do. So, I mean, so there's just a lot of names out there right now. And unfortunately, the Ducks aren't playing well. And it's already started. I, I mean, I crack up because I feel like the trade deadline's like in a month for the Ducks because there's already all this stuff going on. And yes, the Ducks are out there talking to people. Uh, we know they've been at a few games. We've talked about the show. They've been at Montreal, New Jersey game, Toronto, Boston game, Toronto Islander game. Uh, they're out there. The front office has been at a bunch of games. So there's definitely talking going on from both sides. So I, to me, there's stuff that's going to happen. I don't know the severity of it, how much, but I, I think the Ducks are going to make some moves. Klingberg is automatic. I mean, I, it, there's there's no real reason to talk about that anymore. I, I, I think that that's not even a question. It's just a matter of it happening in 2023. 
Um, the only other big question mark, I guess, would be Gibson. A lot of you guys had questions. Uh, Summer Elder 46 on Instagram and B Lowry 17 on Instagram talked about do we think Gibson will be traded? Uh, maybe you know in the future, if not this season. Um, I, you know, I I don't know. I I don't think so. I mean, I yes, he's not playing as well as he has at moments, but then there's other moments of greatness in there that he has played well. And I mean, it, it you don't want to pin one thing on this team for why they're doing poorly this year. I, I think it's a, a a lot of things, but if you could only improve one thing on this team, like they they told you, hey. This is all you can improve, and that's it. It's the Ducks' defense. Plain and simple. Um, I mean, without the defense, it doesn't matter who you have in net. And the Ducks' defense has been super shaky. I mean, let's just be honest. That's the way it's been. Yes, they've had some injuries. They had Chad Kirk out. He came back. Ivaka has been out the whole season. We don't even know when he's coming back. So, uh, boy, Yu's out. He hurt his arm. He's been, you know, punching too many people. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, he he's gone. I liked his, you know, uh, play being tough on the blue line. So, there's a lot of things going on with this team, and I think there's a lot of chatter right now. I think you're going to hear a lot of rumors, a lot of people saying, you know, this guy and that guy. Um, so, to me, Eddie, I'm not surprised. I think stuff's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of, of how much and when. Yeah, so I'm thinking, too, since uh, Toronto needs some help, they, they need to clear a contract. Why not make a trade with them? I, I know you uh, I know you were mentioning, too, uh, before we started recording, how Verbeek has been scouting games where Toronto has been playing two teams already when they played Montreal and they played the Islanders. So, obviously, there might be something in the works with Toronto, but, yeah, they're at 50 contracts right now. They have to make a move to kind of bring someone in to help their defensive core temporarily. If Wayne Simmons does clear uh, waivers, why not make a move for him? Bring him in in a trade that's going to send us, uh, like, a draft pick. Obviously, it's going to be a lower draft pick to, to kind of retain a player or bring someone like Alexander Ker- Kerfoot that could be an upgrade to Derek Grant. And see how he could fit it, fit in our lineup. We can give them that cap space relief a little bit of that three point five million, and bring an asset on along with that for taking that contract on. It, it seems like the Ducks are in that uh, that ideal spot to kind of eat up salaries right now and help out other teams with their cap issue, especially a team like Toronto that's going to seem desperate now to f- for that defensive help. Especially uh, we all know how Canadian markets are and how fast the fan base will churn. Uh, on their team if they're not performing um, how they're supposed to be, especially a team like Toronto that has a, one of the best players in the world with Austin Matthews. Like, I don't know. Like If I'm Verbeek, I would kind of exploit that and try to make those trades for assets, especially with someone like Kerfoot that hasn't been really playing well with Toronto and hasn't really found a groove over there. And that $3.5 million can really go a long way with them to try to bring in another defenseman that can help. And it, it's kind of a kind of a no risk for the Ducks because they, they take on a bad contract to get an asset. He needs a UFA at the end of the season. If it doesn't work out, we don't have to worry about having to pay that three point five million extending from next or extending after next season. So it's, it's a win win for the Ducks if they want to pull off a deal and kind of help Toronto out with their cap relief and kind of get some assets for, uh, from them. Yeah, I mean, you you do make an interesting point. Like uh, they are in a tough situation. That's why I'm thinking maybe they won't, but. Now, with what you're saying, I mean, yeah, maybe they can help each other out and give, 
uh, Toronto some cap relief and and make something happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's definitely stuff going on there. We we know because there's been at least two reports now of the Ducks getting calls on Vetrano uh, and and uh, Toronto being interested in Vetrano. Try and say that five times fast, but. <laughs> Um, that's out there too. So, I mean, I'm not completely ruling it out. I, I mean, keep your eye on that as well. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy time right now in the Ducks. I, I'm really interested to see what Verbeek's going to do because, you know, he, he really blew up the team last season, but he was really in a position to do that. He had guys on the team that were looking at, you know, getting huge contracts. He didn't want to do that. And he wanted to rebuild the team. So now with what he has, I, I want to see, what is he going to do to try and fix this uh, with any kind of trade? I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think it's in the net. I, I think it's something with some of those names. I, I don't think Vetrano, Strom, Henrique. I, I don't I don't see those kind of guys. Shattenkirk, maybe. Klingberg, for sure. Uh, you mentioned Kulikov. That's a name that hasn't really been out there. I could kind of see that. I don't think he'll um, be on the Ducks uh, past trade deadline. I think a team, a contending team, w- would make a bid for him. Yes, he, uh, he he's not the defenseman he once was, but he's he still has those those games where he can easily fit in that bottom row or a seven, uh, be a, a way more than capable seventh defenseman on, on a contending team. So I, I could see a team going in and and making a trade, bringing an asset on for him, and his cap hit is not that bad. So uh, there's a lot of teams that can go out there and afford him, especially like I mentioned Toronto too. If you get rid of Alexander Kerfoot's 3.5 a salary, you could eat up a little bit of Kulikov's maybe just to get that extra asset return, or even take on Wayne Simmons too. Ducks are currently at like 45 contracts, so they could bring in uh, some contracts like that and help out another team and, and get rewarded for that. We, we, we've seen Arizona do that numerous times. They had what at one point, Datsuk, Chris Pronger, and another uh, player that they took on just to eat the salary up to get to the, I guess, the salary floor. And they got paid and uh, they got rewarded for that. So I want to see the Ducks, especially with this season, uh, how it's heading to, to, to kind of capitalize on that and try to bring in the most assets that we can. And, hey, keep them and we can make trades and, and go from there. It, it makes it different, too, like how we're having all these defensive problems. Uh, maybe we should have kept uh, Josh Manson. I, I really, really wish we had him. I, um, I'm glad he's with Colorado. I'm glad he won a, uh, won a cup and... It's working out over there for him, but it seems like like one of those players would have been uh, played a huge role in the Ducks this season, especially with all the defensive issues that we're going to. And I think Josh Manson would have been a, a, a great captain candidacy for the Ducks. Did you see him take out Jamie Benn this <laughs> oh, last yes. week? Yes, that hurt my oh. face. And, and Ben oh. and Ben's a tough dude. He's a big guy and a tough guy. He 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 could he can scrap with some, some of the best of them, and uh-uh, it was a pretty good fight. Yeah, it was like he, he like threw a big haymaker and missed. Then he kind of threw a jab and then the second punch, and then that was it. Ben was out. I was cracking up. But I'm with you. Like, I That was the one person I didn't want the Ducks to trade. Well, also, we talk about D'Lo too. But, but, I mean, the thing is, is Manson was the one. You know, we're talking about defense here that I didn't want them to trade. And then when they did trade him, I was hoping he was going to come back, and he didn't. And that's a thing that I feel that the Ducks are missing. They're missing that, you know, either a stay-at-home defenseman, tough guy, or even a shutdown defenseman. The Ducks don't really have that on this team. They don't have either one now, and, and that's what's killing this team. So 
If they're going to make a trade, that's the kind of guy I think we need to get, Eddie. Oh, definitely. And then talking about Josh Manson, I mean, we we traded Drew, or we got Drew Hallison, and I believe it was a second round pick for him, second or third round pick, and we called him up and we didn't play him. Like, okay, what the hell is going on? He, you, you want to play these abundance of defensemen, but you call up a defenseman and you don't play him. Just kind of, just kind of like puzzling to me. Uh, some of these like decisions that are, are made. It's just like, come on, at least do something. And it was a, a second-round pick in 2023. So uh, next year we'll be picking, um, kind of seeing who we're going to pick in that Josh Manson trade. But I was like looking forward to seeing Hellison when he got called up to see uh, what kind of, I guess, what kind of presence he can bring uh, to the team. Yeah, I'm with you. That was one that, when that trade happened, we were like, okay, this is like supposed to be a younger Josh Manson. He's going to come in here and kind of fill those role and help out. You call him up, but then you don't play him. And the chats were, uh, like, I, I follow the abs too. And so, like, all their fan base were kind of, like, kind of heartbroken to see him go, but then happy to have Josh Manson on the team. It was kind of a bittersweet kind of moment for them. So I was looking forward to seeing what kind of element he can bring uh, to the Ducks at the NHL level. Yeah, I wanted to see what he was going to do, too, because we had all these inju- injuries. You know, you, like I said, you had Bo Yu out. Shattenkirk was out with a lower body strain, came back. And uh, now it looks like there's a report that Strand might be going back down uh, to San Diego. So I'm like, okay. I mean, like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, th- that's been the other part of this that's been frustrating. And, it, and it's not not to make excuses, but this team's just been filled with injuries again uh, this season. Um, we found out, too, we thought something was up with Comtois. That was another one that finally the Ducks said, oh, he has a lower body injury. And now... He's uh, getting reevaluated, and he hasn't played, uh, you know, in the last like 10, 11 days or so. So we found that out. So we're without him, without Boyu, and then yet Grant that has a rib issue going on. He's out as well. Got Chat and Kirk back. Uh, so injuries have definitely been a factor. Not making excuses for the team, but it's definitely something that has kind of thrown things for a loop here uh, with the team. Uh, it's it's just something else to consider in this but yeah I, I i i don't know i'm i you know i'm not excited about how the ducks are going to finish the season but i am kind of excited to see what's going to happen because like you, you hear these people are calling on the players you, we know that the front office is out there doing stuff so to me uh, that part gives me a little bit of hope because yes we're in a rebuild they told us that we're not surprised some things aren't working out and at least they're i mean i mean they could end up doing nothing which i highly doubt but at least they're out there putting the feelers out they're talking to people they're getting phone calls they're already trying to do stuff to improve uh you know and i mean i i don't know what's going to happen i'm not a fortune teller but i do like the fact that this stuff is going on because now i'm kind of curious like okay who are you going to move who are you going to bring in what are you going to do to try and prove this because what they're doing right now isn't working plain and simple um the other part of this is the is the play uh i think akins has done some of the things we talked about we talked about you know segris and terry together mctavish at center um they're still not playing stolars enough uh, he needs to get in there more. I, I, I don't know why they're playing Gibson, especially after that second game uh, against St. Louis, why they didn't put Stolarz in. They, they, they put him in the third period in that first game. I would have just let him start that second game. 
and let him get in the mix there. So I, I don't like what's going on with the goalie situation. I, I don't. I think we're leaning on Gibson way too much. And if you're not going to improve the defense, then I don't think they should be playing him so much because he's going to get frustrated and maybe hurt again or whatever. I, I'm really not happy with, with that part of it. And, um, yeah, the injury situation is just its not really helped out. I think another thing, too, is the strategy. We had one guy, Yo, hey, it's Chris, on Instagram asked about the defensive strategy. You know, the Ducks, he thinks the Ducks uh, need to get away from man-to-man. Uh, he also talked about Silverberg as another name of someone being traded. And, yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for trading Silverberg. That one might be hard. His contract's $5.2 million next couple of years, and he's not been performing. Is that another name that I would want to trade? We've been talking about all these trades and stuff. Yeah, of course that's another one. Um, unfortunately, he, he just hasn't performed. But, uh, yeah, the, the way the Ducks' defense is going, it's not working on the penalty kill, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, 5-on-5, five five, uh, it depends. They, they've, they've played okay 5-on-5. Five five. They've had games where they've done all right, and it seems like, you know, the puck possession numbers have kind of gone up throughout the season five and five but they're still not where they need to be so um that that's that's where i'm at i just think that we can't really change the overall play um then we we need to make a move and figure out something on the defense i mean that that's my number one priority with this team it just it's just not working um i don't think they're going to get rid of the coach so you're going to have to make some personnel changes and i mean I don't know. I don't know if they do anything before 2023, but, um, you know, with, with, with so much stuff going on, I'm like, every day I'm like, almost like, is there going to be a trade on my phone getting posted? Because it just seems like everything's heating up right now. So I am curious to see uh, what Verbeek's next like step is in this rebuild. Like, is he going to speed it up uh, or, or blow it up? Or is he just going to let it kind of work itself out? I, I don't know, Eddie. I would let it ride. I mean, Ducks are in a, a position right now to hopefully come that draft, we get the first overall pick and we can get Connor Bedard and, and start start going uh, that route. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna suck, but I think the Ducks uh, that that first overall pick and the way they're playing, it, it's it's gonna be a top five regardless, and, and we're gonna pick up a, a really great player in a really deep draft that's coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. I just right now it's gonna suck having to watch these games, and no matter how much I bitch and cry about it, oh, I'm not gonna watch the Ducks. The game that comes on, I'm sitting there crying because I can't watch the Ducks. I have to go to my buddy's TV, still trying to figure out a viable way to watch the games and stuff like that. But yeah, it's going to be one of those things where you have to just kind of suck it up, and and we know there's the, this team's going to be great. We have McTavish, we have Zegris, we have Terry, uh, we have Zalwiger that's going to come up. Owen Zalwiger, I've heard so many great things about him, especially McTavish pumped his tires a lot when he was on the Spit Chicklets podcast, saying that he's going to be a great defenseman for us. So I'm looking forward to that. One name I wanted to talk about too that Seattle just put on waivers was a uh, Magnus Helberg, a goalie. Um, He's been what I think he's done six or five or six teams since 2015. He's just been bouncing around, especially this season. He uh, uh he's uh, obviously he's a the odd man out, but he got claimed off waivers from the the Kraken from the Senators. But they have Grubauer back. They have Martin Jones who just found his groove again. That's playing really lights out. Was named one of the three stars of the NHL. And then Chris Drager can probably round out that that third goal. That, that third goalie, so they have to get rid of him. Um, he's at a, a, a one-year deal. It's kind of similar to uh, Stolar's, 
but yeah, he's only making his cap hits only 750. Like, why not take a, a chance on, not really a chance on him, but why not just bring him in as a backup role and trade Stolar? Stolar hasn't played bad on the games. He's been playing with the Ducks. He's in front of a really bad team right now, the worst in the league, and he still is putting up some decent numbers and making some great saves. And I'm pretty sure a team that that needs a backup goalie would pay for him or even that, that kind of third option just in case. Uh, we saw, what's his name, Jack Campbell go down uh, the other night from Edmonton. Uh, yes, yeah, Stuart, Stuart Skinner has been playing well, but maybe someone like Stolar is a cheaper option that can probably outplay Jack Campbell and, and maybe get his game rejuvenated because he hasn't been playing well for Edmonton or another team that probably needs that kind of help in that. I think Stolar's uh, he has some. He has some. Uh, he has a lot of great games to play. I don't know if he could be a starter with a different team, uh, it, but he's not really given a, a chance. Like, like you said, they're leaning on Gibson way too much. I, I don't understand why. Just like you said, might frustrate him, might get him hurt. But hey, Stolarz is a, a one one year left for this season. He's UFA next season. Who says he's going to come back and play for the Ducks? He's not getting enough starts. He's not getting enough playing time, I'm sure. As a goalie, you want to play as much as you can. He understands his role as a backup, and John Gibson's going to come first. But now we have another option that we can bring in a goalie for free and get some assets for a player like Stolarz, which another team would, would I gladly pay for, especially for his services and the way he's been playing this season. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I think that's part of the issue is, I mean, is Gibson going to be the main guy in the future all the way, like in the rest of his contract? I mean, if that's what Verbeek and the team's going to do, then, yeah, you're right. Stolars might just walk away and be like, all right, I'm out. Bye. You know, why not trade him and or maybe get a goalie and a defenseman or, or something? I mean, um, to help this team because uh, who says that he comes back next season? He might not. He might be like, I'm out of here. You know, I'm never going to get that starting chance with Gibson or even enough playing time as a backup. So uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on too is like, what, what's the plan? Are we, we, we sticking with Gibson for these next, you know, four plus seasons? Is that the plan or not? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think a lot of you out there don't want to do that. I think a lot of you are, are burnt out on, on that idea and you want either Stolarz or Dostal to be up in there or someone else or something. You're you're ready for a change. But like I said, you know, part of the equation is the defense too. So a lot of question marks for the Ducks, a lot of question marks. I think the other part of this that I, I, I did want to touch on is the whole uh, captain thing, Eddie. We were, we were talking about this kind of early in the show and now we're kind of coming back to it. But I was impressed this last week with Cam Fowler. I thought he was very raw after the that St. Louis blowout game. Kind of told us a little bit more than maybe he wanted to. It sounded, it didn't sound, I don't know, I was kind of concerned. I, I didn't like some of the stuff that he said. Not, not um, you know, uh, I didn't like him, but he was saying stuff about players having issue backing up players and doing things. And that kind of concerned me. It goes back to that chemistry thing you and I have talked about earlier in this show. And I don't know, we've talked about it for a while. But that part kind of bothers me. But then you see him come out and score in the next game. Um, I saw his interview in that game. And he was talking about, you know, being a team and how people are backing each other up and helping each other out and, and how they had that discussion. So I still think that's another part of this equation, too. I, I think the Ducks need to pick someone as a captain. And, and and go with that, and I, I I don't know I what I've seen now 
I'm, I'm torn between Terry and Fowler. It seems like those are the two, in my mind, recently that have stepped out and been the ones that have been vocal, been the ones that have tried to get this team in the right direction and help this team out. Is it going to turn around the season? Are they going to magically win all these games they pick a captain? No, I don't think so. But I, I don't know. For me, if I had to uh, pick a, a front runner, I think it would be between those two, Eddie, and what I've seen, especially in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and as I put out in my article, I, I named both of them two as potential uh, people to take on that, that captain role. Uh, if you guys haven't read it, I suggest you uh, go back and re- read my article. I made some points about each player that I, I thought that could be a captain. And I ultimately went with Henrique. I think Henrique has a uh, valuable skill. He's a leader uh, on and off the ice. Uh, he's been uh, under great leadership, too, when he was in New Jersey. He's been under Getzloff. I, I think he- he'd be my pick to take on the captain role for this season. That's what I, I like to-, to see. Like I said in my article, I don't care if you have a couple years left on a contract and you might not be a long-term solution for the Ducks or might not finish your career with the Ducks. It doesn't really matter to me, the whole longevity of it. it just I, I want the best person for the job. And I even mentioned Zegris and Terry in there. And I, I mentioned too, I want to see them marinate a little bit and worry about playing their game and not worry about taking the responsibility on a bottom uh, a, a bottom tier team that's in last place. It's going to be a, a lot of responsibility to take on for a young player. And I, I wouldn't want to see anything jeopardizing or hindering their development because where they're going is nothing but up. And it was just... People talked about Terry. Was it a fluke last season? Is he going to come back this season and, and make a statement? And he has. And it's, he's proving that it's not a fluke. He's turning into that superstar. And so is Zegris. Zegris leads the team in goals now. So i just seen these players just develop the way they are. I wouldn't want to change anything from them. But we have, like you said, we have Cam Fowler. We have we have Adam Henrique. We have other players that, that kind of veteran players that can step up and, and be that leader. And they don't have to take that kind of responsibility off our young guys to be that leader just yet. I can see Terry or Zegris being the captain, the future captain of the Ducks moving forward. But I just think right now it would be a little too soon. And like I said, I wouldn't want anything to to ruin or jeopardize their development because it's been doing so well. Yeah, and Eddie uh, had had a really good article. If you guys haven't read it, he, he broke down and he talked about all these players that we're talking about now. And if you haven't read it, go back and check it out. He goes in depth on all of that. He ultimately comes with the decision of Henrique. And uh, I'm with you on a couple things. I, I know some people, when we posted the poll question, said, you know, don't rush uh, Terry and Segris. Um, they they kind of said, hey, just let the season ride out. You know, it, you know, it's a lost season. Don't worry about the captain. Um, there's been some of that. Which you know, I don't, I don't completely disagree with that either. Um, you know, if if you think it's a lost season and you don't want to push the younger guys, I'm fine with that. I still think though, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna go with the younger guy, uh, I like Fowler. You you put him in there, senior guy. Uh, you know, you know, leads the way for the team the rest of the season. If you go with Henrique, like Eddie said, that's not a bad choice either. And and you ride out the season, you figure out, you know, the the guys are. Hopefully, still going to be here for a little bit. I mean, you know, depends on what's going on. But I, that's the only thing. I don't think we know what the plan is with Verbeek. Um, you know, even with Akins, is he going to keep Akins? And then, you know, who is he going to keep? Um, you know, is the one being the captain, or maybe he wants to wait till next season, bring in a new coach, and then then pick the captain uh, long term. 
that could be part of the thing too. Don't know 100% what Aikens is thinking on that front um, or Verbeek and how they're going to how they're gonna do that. Um, it's kind of a weird situation, Eddie, as the, as the season unravels. Oh, yeah. I think we had a question too from one of the fans about uh, Tomo WB uh, talked about it's nearing 20 games with no regular season win. What sort of consequences can we expect? And like I said, I don't think a coaching change is going to happen this season. I think it's... Verbeek's going to write it out. He's going to just continue to scout players and see who he wants to to be the future of this team, make trades to get some assets to kind of build this team and, and put them up to to where they need to be where we're going to be contenders for, for years to come, not just like when New Jersey gambled and they went after big names to try to be a, a kind of a rebuild their process faster and it backfired on them. They were a bottom feeder team. This season, obviously, it's paid dividends and their players – are all stepping up, uh, led by Jack Hughes, even though he's not their official captain. He sure is, but still, he's playing red-hot fire. That whole team is just is gelling right, and I'm looking forward to that happening to the Ducks, and I think it's going to happen with Verbeek. Uh, we saw last season he has no emotional attachments to any of these players. We saw long-time players get traded, like players like Raquel Lindholm and Josh Manson uh, be traded really quick. So it's just I, I wouldn't put it past him to... To make moves like that uh, and trade other players, I know uh, a few other questions that that some fans asked. Um, Summer Elder forty six asked us if we thought Gibson will be traded in the future, if not this season. Um, another uh, Blowery seventeen. Uh, when do the Ducks trade Gibson? Likes him, but feels like the Ducks would get a huge return. And you're right. I think uh, teams would would flock after a goalie like Gibson. He, he he's an elite goalie. He's probably uh, our, our only superstar on the team. Uh, Terry and Zegers are slowly coming up to becoming those superstars. But I think some, a trade like that, a move like that, would really shoot this uh, this team and help the rebuild and get some huge assets in return and can really kind of kind of accelerate that. But then you have to think, again, who do we have in the pipeline? Are you going to rely on Stolarz being that starting goalie? Is he a starting potential goalie? We haven't seen him. We haven't seen uh, enough of him to actually make that determination, seeing if he's the real deal or he's just playing decent right now as a backup. Doss we have in the AHL. He's been playing well over there, but they've been inconsistent to try to win games, and, and we're not sure what we have in him, if he can just come up and be that starting goalie. So it's just kind of... It's kind of a wait and see. I think Verbeek's doing a, a good job being out there and scouting teams and trying to hopefully rebuild this team for the future. Uh, we all know how Bob Murray was, made that just that one trade uh, late November, early December, just for uh, like a bottom feeder kind of player, and, and that'd be it. And then trade deadline, he'd fall asleep and just make some outrageous trades that did not make sense for the whole team at all. And then what to hear that. But I think with Verbeek, he's going to really do his due, his due diligence and really uh, put in the work to find a, a solution for this team and get us back to that contending ways and hopefully win a cup in the near future. Yeah, I think you made a good point there. I mean, I kind of wrap up this whole discussion about, you know, the Ducks. It is kind of a wait and see. I think at least he's got his feelers out there and he's trying to figure out how to, how to get this rebuild uh, going either faster or more in the right direction and um a lot of a lot of stuff to ponder i mean we covered a lot <laughs> in this show well, do you want to uh, about... talk about one more question mike that popped up to me i want to just sorry to cut you off i want to this so we can stay on this uh topic real quick maverick 87 uh asked if we did manage to get bedard what else do the ducks need to be a contender and i think we talked about before we need some kind of defensive help but with drysdale out that's a kind of a 
a kind of a blow to the team because I wanted to see how he was going to develop this season. He had a great season last season. Hopefully he comes back and he just can find his groove. But I think we're going to need a lot of defensive help and we need chemistry. That was a good question that he asked. That, that, that one really like stood out to me a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a good question, um, you know, uh, that he's asking about Bedard. And, and, you know, if we get him, I mean, yeah, it's going to be fun to see him watch. Some people are talking about him playing with Segris. Some others are saying him and McTavish, how it's going to work out. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be exciting and be someone that can definitely help the Ducks and and get the offense going. But, yeah, in order to be a contender, though, it's the stuff we've talked about. The special teams play hasn't been there on both sides. On, on power play and penalty kill, it's been awful. And the defense has been, you know, suspect in some of these games and whatnot. Uh, it's not working out. And the physicality of this team, I, I mean, I, I think the big thing with this team is just lack of identity. And, and that's what we've said. You, you don't you don't have a captain. Um, I, I can't tell you. If someone asked you, like, what kind of team is the Ducks? Is is the Ducks a, a skill-speed team? I would say, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, Terry and Segrist, a couple guys, sure. Is, is the Ducks a, a four-checking grinder team? No. Is the Ducks a smash-mouth team? No. I, I mean, it, there's, it's just like there's not really a – a set thing. I, I think it's still trying to morph into something. I mean, obviously Bedard would help out big time, but I think they got to figure out what is their identity. Like, how are we going to play? What's our style? What are we going to do? And I think that's the problem. I think that maybe goes back to fam, uh, Cam Fowler's uh, comments about you know uh, people not knowing their roles and not knowing where to go and what to be and what to do. And I think that's part of the issue too is that certain guys have certain roles on this team. And it's just not working out. I think it's hard. You bring in a lot of guys and you try and gel them and put them together. But sometimes it doesn't always work. And I, I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of that right now because we're, you know, a quarter of the way in the season and, and, and it's not going. So for me, uh, the big thing is, yes, yeah, strengthening the defense, but uh, getting a team that could play together and be on the same page. It seems like the Ducks have moments where they are and then moments where they're not. So... Um, with that, let me just remind you that we are part of the Old City Sports Network. Uh, a couple sponsors. We have uh, Norse Beards. Uh, if you want to get uh, a good trim in, uh, check them out, norsebeards.com, OCS for a discount. Uh, we also have buckedup.com for your pre-workout stuff. If you go on there and you use Ducks and Pucks 93, you can get a discount. So there's a couple of our sponsors. Um, as we kind of go away from all this now we still a little bit of the goals and some league news and some things to talk about and then we'll we'll wrap up the show but um uh we saw uh Godin, you know he he got a hat trick with the goals we saw him go down um you know didn't stay up with anaheim another you know maybe a mismanagement of assets i don't know how you want to look at it we also got grimaldi still down there hasn't signed an nhl contract um the ducks uh excuse me the goals split Two games with Grand Rapids, they lost one six five, then one one six one. They've you know been kind of having up and down season, but um, I mean the goals have been exciting to watch. They've got some guys doing well, Eddie, but uh, you know Godin's one that I don't know. Why don't you bring him up or Grimaldi? Give him a chance. I don't know. Just kind of I'm kind of frustrated because I feel like the Ducks, all this trade stuff you and I have been talking about. Um, if it doesn't come to fruition, they don't make these moves then they should bring these guys up and give some of these guys more of those opportunities. 
Oh, exactly. Especially Grimaldi had, had a fantastic camp with the Ducks. Everyone thought he was going to be signing that NHL contract, that two-way contract, obviously. He has 17 points right now in 15 games with the uh, with the goals, and he's been playing fantastic over there, too. Ducks need some help, sometimes offensively. Why not bring a player like this up? Or why not try to insert him in the lineup and see what kind of chemistry he can have with the Ducks? See, he's he's always been a, a with his size, his undersize. He's always been a hard worker and a hard player that that gives it that 110 percent because he has to and because he wants to. I, I'm I'm not sure why I haven't offered him a contract at all. And you know, it's just only a matter of time before another team starts getting wind of this guy and and what he can do and what he's producing and that. At the AHL level, and offer him a contract. Team like Nashville, he's been on before. Or Colorado, like, like who knows? It's just it's kind of just weird that they haven't offered him a contract. And I think bringing him up on a two-way contract, it's not going to hurt anyone. You have the cap space, obviously. You have the contract room, so like, why not? This could be another player that can be an asset come trade deadline if if you don't want to keep moving like forward and see what he can he can get in return for a contending team that kind of wants that depth and that that person that can uh, go out there and and work his ass off each and every game another one too i, I talked about uh bulliard he has 14 points in 16 games as a defenseman he's he's playing uh he's pretty uh, playing a good season he had like 100 and something penalty minutes too last season um why not bring him up on the blue line obviously we need help and what's what we have right now is not working and you, you want to play the abundance of defensemen and like i said just well screw it just have that seven defensemen and have one of these uh, this guy on a one-year deal a two-way contract and see what he can do worst comes to worst he he plays decent at the at the at the, at the nhl level or we can see what we have in him if not send him back down to the nhl where he's continuously would consistently getting points and use him as trade bait come trade deadline. I think it's a win-win for everyone to see uh, what he can bring. But having these two players not be signed to NHL contracts, it just just seems kind of crazy to me. It's weird. Yeah, and the, and you talked about uh, you know another one was Bo Grew too. He's had 14 points in 16 games. So I mean, there's guys down the goals. That's another option too that we we really haven't talked about a lot in the shows. Um, okay, if you're not going to make these trades, you're going to wait till close to the trade deadline. Or you want to roll with this eleven-seven thing? Uh, then yeah, bring up more guys from from down there and, and play some of these guys and put them in the mix. I mean, if you're really trying to, you know, especially with all these injuries we talked about too early in the show. I mean, screw it. At this point, why not? You know, try every avenue you have. I mean, maybe one of these guys fits in good and does well. Maybe you put Godin back up in there and he plays a bottom six role and he does great. I mean, I you know, I don't know. I mean, you've got guys that are doing well down there, and I know the HL level isn't the same as the NHL level, but at, at this point, what do you have to lose? I mean, the, the team's been having issues. We all know that. That's that's like, I mean, hello, it's the sun comes up in the morning, right? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, why not? You know, mix it up. So, or could it be too, Mike? And people like haven't really talked about this, but like we've seen teams do it in the past. Obviously, they wouldn't admit it. Do you think it's an intentional tank by the Ducks to get that first overall pick? Because Bedard's supposed to be a generational player, it's supposed to be in the likes of McDavid and Crosby kind of franchise player. Do you think the Ducks could be one of those teams that just secretly like, hey, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's just let's just not fix anything. Let's keep tanking, which teams call it and people call it. We've seen teams do it in the past. Edmonton, Buffalo have done it. 
Um, that's why they had to change the format because teams are actually intentionally losing games just to get that first overall pick. Now they do a draft lottery, which I still think is kind of weird that they don't show the balls moving. It just they announced it after the fact, so it just kind of leaves room for speculation and corruption. But do you think that that could be a thing with the Ducks? They just intentionally are tanking these games just to get that generational player and to accelerate this rebuild faster? I, I don't think so. I mean, I know... You see it on social media, everyone jokes with the tank gifts and, you know, all that funny stuff and everything. Are, are they intentionally doing it? I don't think so. Now, Well, not the team, obviously. Like, these are professional athletes, but, like, I'm talking about management kind of, like, views, coaching staff. Uh, like, yeah, management, if they're just not wanting to change anything or are rolling with the, with the lines they do or are changing the lines up to just uh, the, that, that chemistry won't just be there, like... I don't know. I, I know everyone has their eye, especially on the, the the bottom teams, Arizona, Chicago, Vancouver, Buffalo. Ha, you know, have their eyes on the prize, and the Ducks have never had a first overall pick and a, a, a kind of a player like that since what I want to say. Paul Korea was last the generational player that changed the face of the franchise. I don't think the Ducks have have signed. Oh, Getzloff. I'm gonna say yeah, Getzloff too. Maybe Bobby Ryan at his prime, but a player like that would just be out of this world yeah i mean yeah you put it differently yeah i don't think the players do it with management i mean that could be part of it they might not be as concerned with you know that i mean verbeek's kind of talked about that he talked about how it wasn't really the wins and the losses necessarily so you know maybe maybe you know he wants the team to improve but at the same time if they stay towards the bottom it's not the end of the world you get bernard and and it helps out the team so i don't know maybe maybe there's something to that from a management perspective but from a player one uh, definitely no so um yeah i mean let's just have to see what happens I, i'm really curious i i think uh if you haven't been watching the games or you're not you know happy with what's going on I still would because I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see who's going to merge out of this team, who's going to be the leader, and then what's going to happen. What is management going to do? they got to do something. Are you going to bring up players from the goals? Okay, are you going to trade players? I, I don't know. Something's got to give. That's where we're at. We're at the point where something has to happen. So, um, you know, and I just want to watch and see how it unfolds. <laughs> um Kind of start to wrap up the show. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some um, league news now. We've, we've you know we've talked about the Ducks, uh, obviously for most of the shows we normally do. Um, some other stuff going on. Another you know another team out there. My other team that I like, as you all know, the Penguins. Now uh, apparently they're getting phone calls and and they've got things going on and 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 whatnot too from some reports out there. So the Penguins are looking to make some moves. So curious to see what they're going to do. And you know Ricard McKell's over there, but. They did have a great moment this last week. They had uh, Malkin playing in his 1,000th game, Eddie, and his son came in the locker room to announce the starting lineup, which was a, a, a tearjerker of a moment. It was fantastic. Yeah, you know, I had to go back and see that. I missed that. It must have been during my uh, my Vegas little vacation where I probably lost a few days. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, a 1,000 games for him. I still remember when he was like still new in the league, but having his son come in there and, and, and do the starting lineup is pretty cool. Uh, something about the Penguins too, Mike. Uh, Crosby, twenty-seven points in nineteen games. He was named the first star uh, of this week. I think he had what I want to say, like seven or eight points in four games or something like that. He's been playing some of his best hockey uh, for his age and his time in the league. He, he just thirty-five years old. He's he's up there in 
and just having a phenomenal season. It's just that's just nuts to freaking see that right now from him. And I'm glad that he's having that kind of season. He's he's been the face of hockey for a really long time and 27 points in 19 games already. The sky's the limit for him. Who knows? He might just eclipse the the 84 points he had last season at that age. It's just phenomenal to see. And then another player too that I want to talk about is Ricard Raquel. 13 points in 19 games. He's had 13 points in 19 games last season, too, after the trade deadline. So it seems like it's working out for him and Pittsburgh over there. So I just continue to wish him nothing but the best of luck. And all our farmer players with Josh Manson and Hamas Lindholm that seem to be uh, playing well and, and having good success with their new teams. Obviously, Manson's not a big point producer. He's that physicality type, blocking shots, making hits, and providing that, that, that physical element on the blue line, that leadership ability. Hampus Lindholm and the Bruins, they're just playing lights out. Uh, top of the standings right now, uh, them in New Jersey, the hottest teams in the NHL. And then Hampus, or I'm sorry, uh, Raquel having a pretty good season again with the Penguins, having 13 points already in 19 games, the same he had last season. So I just continue to wish them nothing but the best of luck and good luck to, to your Penguins, your second favorite team moving forward, and especially Crosby. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of points he gets after this season. And definitely congratulations to Mal- uh, Malkin on playing his 1,000th game. Yeah, and I'm excited. I, I'm going to go to the Winter Classic uh, when they're playing Boston. So, uh, you know, I get to get to see them at least one game. You know, I rarely get to see them um, at all other than when they come to play the Ducks. So, um, it, it sucks. I'm looking forward to watching them play and try to win. Well, the, well, the Ducks, it's been rough. But, yeah, a, a lot of good things going with them. Did you see that leak of Boston Bruins, their Winter Classic jersey, and how terrible it looked? Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know what? Like, I don't know why the league and these teams are so secretive about their jerseys. Just release them when you when you know, like, like when you have them set already. Because these leaks, just they keep getting posted all the time. It just kind of ruins it for all the fans. Obviously, the people leaking are just doing their job and, and people want to see it. It's, and they're not going to stop doing it. So, like, I don't know why they're so secretive. Think of it and wait until the last moment when everyone else will leak it. Uh, look what happened with the um, with Seattle cracking their draft. Uh, they had this big old thing planned out, and all the the analysts had the whole roster already leaked a day before. It just yeah, with the jersey. I think that they dropped the ball on it, especially this season with these new like reverse retros. Because I want to say half the league, if not more than half, these jerseys are already leaked. Yeah, a lot of them did. You're right. Even our, even our Ducks one, um, you know, pretty much had an idea. Which, by the way. I, I got the jersey, and you finally got the jersey, Eddie. And we talked about, uh, you know, off air about modifying it. Uh, one thing that not 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 a big dislike, but with the Ducks jersey, if you noticed, they they went back to the old school, right? And they put in the new colors, but there's no shoulder patches. Yeah, yeah, that, that's one thing that you pointed out. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. One thing I noticed too was the front of the jerseys. That, that that NHL logo, they went like, obviously it's a reverse retro, so they went back with that retro one. But I do like the Adidas, the chrome version of the NHL logo. So I went ahead and bought a, a, a hat on eBay I found for cheap, a Blackhawks hat, and just cut that logo out. So I'm going to add that to my jersey because I think it looks the cleaner and I want it. And it's my personal jersey, so I don't I, I can add whatever I want. And I do want to add the patches. Like the, the D patches are what we had one... One fan, Colby, he uh, tweeted me out wanting that old school, that that it's that old school Mighty Duck that they had the patches back in the day. 
I think those patches would look pretty good in that jersey too. But yeah, I'm going to do something with the patches and definitely have that chrome NHL logo because I don't like the the orange old school one. It just I think it takes away from the jersey a little bit. And that's the first thing I noticed and wanted to change when I got the jersey. But yeah, I had to wait a little bit because I had a coupon or a 20% off from Adidas. I order a lot of stuff there. So part of my points was getting that 20% off. So I made a kind of a, a decent order some new shoes and things like that but i bought that jersey that saved me 20 percent off so i can't complain about that the shipping wasn't that that bad it only took what i want to say four or five days to get here so i, I can't complain about that yeah and if you're gonna go to the team store at the ducks and do it just know a couple things here if you're a season ticket holder like myself you do get a 10 percent discount off buying it at the ducks team store so there's that uh, the downfall is the kits that they do for the jerseys, I, they don't do them there, they told me. They have to send them out. So if you try to get that jersey customized at the Ducks team store, they're saying that the wait time is at least two months. So you might want to try someone else. I know, Eddie, you like cool hockey. I like uh, monkey sports is another one. I haven't looked into those, but those might be some other options. There's a place on eBay, too, that I bought a few jersey kits. I bought three jersey kits already, and they've been actually four and it's, it's legit quality you take it to a cleaners have it stitched i, I got um, a a kale mccarr kit for the avalanche um their third jersey from last year or their, their reverse retro from last season when i went to the kings and the avalanche game i wanted to rock that jersey they did a fantastic job at my local cleaners i bought a troy terry kit that i put on my orange jersey and i actually have my uh for the Ducks reverse retro last season, I bought a Wild Wing 93, which the team store won't put on your jersey. So I bought that kit too that I'm still waiting to put on. I just haven't had the time or haven't been able to do that. But yeah, it's just there's a place on eBay. I'll share it on my personal page. And if you guys want to order, you guys can try it out. Uh, one of my buddies bought a Kings one, a Lemieux one too, and it came out pretty good for him as well. So you can't go yeah, wrong with that it's only 30 bucks for the kit or 35 bucks too uh for the the official kit and then to sell it on it cost you another like 65 so it wasn't that expensive yeah and some of those other places too usually they don't limit what you want to put on the jersey so if you go to cool hockey or monkey sports um you can there's usually better options as far as what you want to put as far as the name or whatever you want to put wild wing or whatever so future considerations <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you could fit that one on there. <laughs> hey, well, it's Christmas and my birthday's in January, so you guys want to give me a Future Considerations 44 jersey, go for it. It's just the font. <laughs> the, the font would look so... Maybe F... Con, or no, it would be F Considerations. No. It has to be the whole thing. Yeah, it had to be like a two-liner maybe or something. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so that was a little bit... We Actually, well, I wanted to talk about that in the last show. We ran out of time, so good that we could just cover it on there and... Uh, uh, as we wrap up the show, I guess just a couple quick other things. This one kind of kind of weird, Eddie. The league is having the players wear helmets uh, in warmups. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's the, a dumb thing the league's trying to do. Like I, I don't know. Like they keep wussifying this sport more and more. That that fight between Dylan and Carrick shouldn't have been called a five minute major and gave him misconducts. And it, it was so pathetic to see them wrestling around and them calling it a fight. I've had more fights with myself in the stairs, and I call that a fight over there. It just sucks how this league just continues to be trending down over and over, and making stupid rules like this for grown-ass men playing a professional sport. It comes with the territory. You're not playing Batman. You're not playing some sport. I think it's more physical. It's going to be more physical playing Batman than it's going to be hockey back in the day. It just uh, Leagues like this, 
it's not for player safety because like the, the the last injury that happened in, in warmups was in 2012 and uh, Taylor Hall tripped over a puck and one of his teammates trying to jump over him cuts him in the face. It's just it's stupid and we all know what this rule is. It's not about player safety and making sure the players are safe. It's about those stupid ass advertisements on the helmets that the the, the league just wants to capitalize and, and show their sponsors how they're just. Uh, trying to promote that more and more. I'm so glad the Ducks will have an advertisement on their jersey this season. I know it's going to happen league wide, and and just 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 wait and see, folks. You see those Swedish and European jerseys with a bunch of ads on them. It's it's going to happen soon enough with this sport, especially the way the management of the of the NHL is kind of trending this sport. It's, it's just it's frustrating sometimes to see how this sport changed so. uh, significantly over the past few years it's just totally different game than it was and especially with these instigator rules and i can keep going on and on uh especially the the watching it too like how many we have to jump through hoops or how many people tweet me a time trying to figure out how to watch the game without paying for cable like i i I don't want to pay for spectrum and i can't get direct tv at my house because our association won't let any satellites on our roof so it's like I wouldn't have any choice but to get Spectrum cable, and I'm not going to pay a hundred plus dollars for one channel when I have all these streaming services. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just it sucks that the league keeps making these stupid mandatory rules when they need to be focused on making other rules that can help grow the sport and help other people be able to watch the game consistently, especially fans and a networking team. You have ESPN, but it blocks it out. You have games that are aired on TNT, but I can't watch them because the Ducks or Kings, it's blocked out. It's just you're making it hard to watch. And this the league's priorities are so dumb and so screwed up by this mandatory helmet thing just pisses me off even more to see that it's like like i said they're grown-ass men a freak accident's gonna happen to warm up whether you like it or not but it hasn't happened since 2012 like it's just no point of it just to make your stupid sponsors happy and you know screw you if you're a sponsor and having an ad in a helmet you're a piece of shit this game's way beyond that and i can't believe that the league bent over backwards and used covid as an excuse to to get revenue but no it's, it's, we all knew it was in a state for good and these advertisements on jerseys they're gonna stay too and it's only gonna get worse my rant's over sorry <laughs> and and rant and rant eddie no i mean i i mean i get you i mean i i don't know i mean the warm-ups i don't really think it's that big of a deal but yeah you're right i mean this advertising thing isn't gonna go away as soon as you start it uh it, it's it's just gonna continue on so uh, is what it is but uh a couple, couple last little league notes here as we wrap up uh uh, your boy in Colorado, Makar, uh, fastest defenseman to 200 points, Eddie. Yes, that dude, just he's so freaking good. And the Avs are so lucky to, to to get a player like that, changing the way that defensemen play. Like, we know uh, Bobby Orr back in the day, he changed the way like defensive play with his offensive abilities. Kale Makar is reinventing that position, and it just if the Ducks had a player like this, uh, it's just it's crazy to see how good he is. Watching him, uh, the, the games I watch Colorado, he's just so just fluid. His first his first shift, his first game when he play, jumped in the playoffs, scored a goal uh, for the Avalanche, helped them win a Stanley Cup. He's he's is the best defenseman in the league right now, and him getting those two hundred points that fast, it just it just alludes to how good he is. And he hasn't even had that good of a season. Uh, his second uh, this season, he hasn't. Been as good as he could be. The Avalanche have been suffering that sophomore slump, but they're still a team to look out for and a contending team. And just 
yeah, he's the best player of that 2017 draft. And I think any other team that that didn't draft him that are probably kicking their ass and wishing they would have had a player like this because he's definitely reinventing this position of defenseman. And it's just so fun to see him watch, and I'm glad that he's having success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's tearing it up. Uh, I mean, that's that's the kind of guy, you know, what do the Ducks need? Yeah, they need a guy like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just one of those players or a generational player. And it's funny hearing a, a, one of the other podcasts, uh, McKinney was talking about when they drafted McCarr, like, like he was like, who the hell is this kid? Like he had no idea who he was. But then when he came on the uh, on the avalanche and finally signed uh, when he didn't sign or he elected to go turn a pro, after his college career was over, it just McKinnon was like, "Damn, this kid is just—that's amazing, flat out good." And it's funny because you see videos too of uh, even though how good McCarr is, you have you have McKinnon yelling at him about a mistake that he made. It's how competitive he is. But yeah, I'm glad that team had success. I, I watched them when I, and was over there in Colorado when they had their uh, franchise worst season ever. So seeing them bounce back, draft really well, make some great trades that. That they brought the assets in and, and and really did good in the draft. It's good for them, and I'm looking forward to hopefully the Ducks in the near future can draft players like this, and we can talk about how we have another player that's that's reinventing the game and, and just fastest player to get these many points in Ducks franchise history. So I'm looking forward to that in the near future. And I trust Verbeek. Verbeek's been with Tampa Bay, uh, them rebuilding. Uh, into the team they are right now, the back-to-back cups. So uh, I, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what it takes. And those are kind of players that he he needs to win the the game and be competitive for a long time. So I'm looking forward to the future of the Ducks. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a great way to uh, end the show. I mean, I, I'm with you. I mean, he knows what it takes uh, to win. And, I mean, you got to have faith, you know, um, I mean that's really the, that's really the best thing. I, I mean, I think patience is is a big thing. It's just it's going to be tough. I think Eddie. I think we've laid out a bunch of stuff in this show, different things that they can do, um, options, and, and it's just going to be a matter of time before they unfold and get better. And, and maybe it's like a Colorado thing, like you said, where they you know they have a really tough go of it and then they turn it around, and become a contender. And, and obviously, it's not going to be overnight. It's it's going to take a season or two, but. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm optimistic, Eddie. I just think, unfortunately, it's just gonna it's gonna take a little bit before it happens. Oh yeah, and Connor, and Connor Bedard is gonna change that game, and Ducks are gonna get that first overall pick. Not gonna be screwed. If they are, we're gonna riot. We're gonna all go to New York and riot the NHL headquarters. Uh, I will lead you guys, Mike. You can bail me out of jail. Thank you. But <laughs> no, yeah, he, he, that's all you have to do. I mean, like you're in a hole, and, and just like life. Like, like no matter what you're going through, no matter what status you are, we all get knocked down sometimes. We all hit that rock bottom. We all get into that hole. But you know what? There's always a light. At the end of the tunnel, there's always a ladder. There's always a way to climb yourself out of the hole. I think that that's what the Ducks are going to do right now. They're having some of their their worst times. It might be a, the worst season in maybe franchise history the way they've been playing. But you know what? There's always going to be the light at the end of the tunnel. We have a draft that's coming up. We have a good GM that's willing to make moves and willing to improve this team and not just sit there and make excuses. So I, I'm, I'm still optimistic. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to attending more games this season, not spending $18 on beer. i got to buy a plastic flask or something. But I'm just... I'm still happy to be a Ducks fan. I'm still happy to be a hockey fan. I'm still really humbled and thankful to be still talking hockey on Ducks and Bucks with you, Mike, and having all the fans chime in, listen, ask questions, and give us uh, some good feedback and just 
just talking to us at games and, and telling how much uh, telling us how much you like the show and support us. So definitely for Thanksgiving, I'm really thankful for all you guys and thankful for uh, to, to having a good partner and a good brother like you, Mike. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, very thankful that we're able to do this show and, and, and have you on here and back and forth and we do this. Have a good time going to the games as well. I hope everybody has a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We'll keep on doing the show like we've been doing, getting back on our rhythm, which has been good. Um, like I said, we'll have some watch parties again in the future at Noble Ale Works. If you do go there during a game, say Ducks and Pucks, you get a discount. Um, you can also join our Patreon.com slash Ducks and Pucks site um, to get some free stuff and giveaways on there as well. So thank you for all the support. And uh, as we enter the holiday season, I hope you and your family um, have a happy holidays. Let's go Ducks. <laughs>